FGC Hollywood. Stay classy. I find the beginning of starting a podcast as a monologue style podcast of just you talking to a mic is so difficult. How do you start? When do you start? What do you say? It's so awkward. You're alone in a room. I don't even have a dog anymore. So I'm truly alone. How does one do this? Welcome back, everybody. Yes, if you're watching the video, my hands are still together because I just clap synced and I forgot to put them apart after the recording. So I'll just put those away. But anyway, FGC Hollywood, episode 42, the penultimate episode of 2021. We got one more this year, but here I am. Episode 42 of FGC Hollywood, a fighting game podcast. Don't you forget that. I'm good to be back, or I'm glad to be back. I'm good to be back. No, that's not a, that's not English. I am glad to be back. I've been on the road, and it's been a long time since I've been on the road working, but it's okay. It was a short trip. I do have to go back, so that's why I'm late. I apologize. This uh, this podcast was supposed to be out yesterday, recorded on Wednesday, out on Thursday, but here I am recording this on a day before Christmas. It should be out in Chris on Christmas, which, come on, you shouldn't be listening to a podcast on Christmas. Go spend some time with your family. Go have some eggnog, open presents. Don't listen to fighting game banter, but it's okay. If you are here with me, I welcome you. Thank you so much. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. My name is Max Splicer. For those of you who have just suddenly jumped onto a fighting game podcast out of nowhere, that is my name. I host this podcast. I used to have a co-host, and I used to have another co-co-host by the name Pringle the One and Broken Wing. However, they're not here because if you did not listen to episode 41 of this podcast, you may have not gotten the word that FGC Hollywood, a fighting game podcast, is going to become a monologue-style podcast, which means it's just going to be me for the time being until we can figure out some of our circumstances with scheduling and my bunk internet and all the things that kind of make it difficult to make this show work the way I want it to work. So FGC Hollywood is going to be a monologue-style podcast from the last week until we figure something else out. But don't worry, our supplemental bi-weekly podcast on Patreon will feature Broken Wing and Pringled One. And those should be fun, by the way. If you're listening to this episode, that means that patrons already got episode three of FGC Hollywood Plus, which is, again, just me talking about my experience as a Wi-Fi warrior in fighting games, as well as how I find that fighting game communities, and really communities online, tend to be an echo chamber and I sort of tried to break down why and how it's bad. But yeah, that's uh, that's that should be out. Episode four, Broken Wing actually joined me on that one. We talked all about fighting in betas. That should be out before episode 43 of this podcast. So before the end of the year, I'll put all those clips on the main channel, the Max Spicer channel on YouTube. And it should be good. Should be fun. So that's all there is to that. But anyway, I welcome everybody who joined us here on the penultimate episode of FGC Hollywood Fighting Game Podcast. Not too much to talk about, but not too little. I got a little bit of news. I got a little fun topic of the week that I stole. Some listener questions. A solid show, I find. Pretty good. However, before we get to that, as I mentioned before, my name is Max Spicer. Thank you for joining me. If you want to support the show, you can do so at FGC Hollywood slash forward. No, no, no. I always say that wrong. Patreon.com slash forward FGC Hollywood, where you get the opportunity to submit your questions. They are read first before everybody else's. You get the supplemental bi-weekly podcast, FGC Hollywood Plus. Plus, I have 
other things that I'm planning for that next year once I don't have bunk internet. So with that out of the way, let's get to some housekeeping for FGC Hollywood. The first thing I want to talk about, Twitter is the worst. FGC Twitter, the absolute worst. Sometimes it's funny. Most of the time, the worst. There's so much misinformation, and we'll get to this here in a bit with one of the news items of this week. There's so much misinformation. By the way, if you're watching the video of this podcast, I apologize. My screen is really bright. The ring light is really bright. My setup is bunk. I can't do anything about it. I suck at this stuff. Until I move and get a legit space to record this podcast, this is the best I can do. Sorry. If you're listening on audio, I just wasted 15 seconds of your time. So I apologize. Anyway, Twitter is the worst. Why is it the worst? Because there's a lot of misinformation. I'm talking about FGC Twitter. Well, I guess Twitter as a whole, right? It's just a platform. A lot of misinformation, very toxic. I don't like Twitter. I wish there was a better way to communicate with people around the fighting game space that didn't involve Twitter. Unfortunately, we're all just congregated in on Twitter. And unless you're going to join every single one's stream while they're streaming and chat with them or leave a YouTube comment, which they'll never respond to, Twitter is the only way to get somebody's attention but it's you have to you have to like go through so much filth and grodiness. And it's the easiest place to get news, but it's also the easiest place to get really bad takes and the worst people. The worst. The absolute worst. I have to turn it off. Every time I go in there, I was like, why why did I do this to myself? Why did I go into Twitter again? I turn it off right away. So I'm trying to enjoy life more. I'm trying to be non-boomer Mac, Nirvana Mac. Ever since Persona 4 being Ultimax, I am Nirvana Mac. You cannot rattle me. I am enlightened. I, I'm like LTG after he found the covenant and became a meme. But without like, you know, all the racial slurs and the gay slurs and all that. But um, at least not, not, not in public. Come on. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But anyway, I'm trying to enjoy life. You know, I've even, uh, some people even told me in a Discord, some, some people in the YouTube comments saying, hey, We've noticed that you've almost like lost this chip on your shoulder of boomer, of, of, of boomer Mac. Like you're, you're way more chill now that you're not angry all the time about fighting games. Oh, they're taking away my difficult inputs. I'm chilling. I am at peace. So yeah, I'm trying to enjoy life. I'm, uh, I'm having a good time. So that's something. Speaking of enjoying life, how am I doing that? I'm playing fighting games, not online because I can't. I'm on Wi-Fi. It's very difficult. Nobody wants to play me. I, I go on TFH. Nobody wants to play my Wi-Fi ass. I go on Killer Instinct. Only people in the Discord can play me. But, you know, they're, they're being nice. My connection is ass. And they won't say anything. Sometimes they'll say something. But, like, they'll still play me. So that's nice of them. But I know, you know, they suffer. So I'm playing offline. What am I playing? I am playing One Killer Instinct. Because that's fun. I'm trying to actually get better at that game. Not super good. But I'm trying to get a little bit better. But I'm in between like a character crisis. Not because I don't like any of the characters, but because I like too many of them. I like Arya. I like Cinder. I like Thunder. I like TJ. I like them all. So I got to like focus on one and like really put some time and dedicate. I, I, th I thought it was going to be Cinder, but now I, I'm really liking Thunder and Arya is so cool. So I don't know. I'll have to like figure it out. But then again, you got so many other characters that you want to mess around with. Maybe I'll just be a Jago main because he's a Shoto. Pretty easy. But no. So I'm playing that a little bit, but what I'm really playing is I got my Xbox 360 again working. So I'm playing Persona 4 Arena Ultimax because my old PS3 is, became like a door jam for the longest time. 
And then I don't even know where it's at anymore. I think I threw it out. And then my old copy for Persona 4 Main Ultimax on PS3 got scratched. Didn't work. So that was corrupted. So I have my 360. My handy 360 still works. Still plays the game great. So I'm messing around with Ultimax. And I'm, I'm, I'm bringing back my muscle memory. Like, I forgot how much I knew about that game. I think I forgot more about Persona 4 Rain Ultimax than I learned about TFH or learned about whatever game. So it's fun playing that. And I cannot wait. I cannot wait for March just to mess around with that game. 2.5? Let's get it. But we'll talk about Persona. Don't worry. But anyway, we got some podcast corrections, folks. I apologize. Last week, I said that the male priest for DNF Duel was probably going to be the Avenger. I misspoke. I meant to say Crusader. That's who the DFO community pinpointed as far as the silhouettes when they put out the silhouettes for all the characters that are going to come out, which it didn't turn out to be the holy man himself. So, yeah, not Avenger, but Crusader. And we'll talk about Crusader in the very next segment, which, by the way, let's get to it now. Round one, FGC News. Not a lot of news this week. We only got three items. But they're pretty interesting. So let's start with the first one. Speaking of Crusader, this past weekend's Beta Wars on December 17th through December 20th, both the King of Fighters 15 and DNF Duel had their open betas competing head to head. And as many would have guessed, DNF Duel was by far the most populated, or rather, the more populated beta between the two. Throughout the entire three day weekend, DNF Duel spectatorship on Twitch tripled that of KOF 15 and stretched even more than that at times. There are a couple of reasons why that is the case. KOF 15 hosted its second open beta, making it the second go-around for many of its players. Really, sometimes uh, the first go-around for those that couldn't get into the first beta because of the PlayStation Plus issue. However, DNF Duel hosted its first ever beta. There was a lot of speculation around things like netcode, gameplay, UI interactions, mechanics, etc. A lot of unknown factors. KOF 15 has been a long time coming, meaning the FGC has known of the game since Evo of 2019. It's almost 2022. So it's been a long time, and it's been in and out of the weekly news cycle in the FGC for almost a year now. So we've we've known about KOF 15. It's almost been dragged out a little too long, I would say. But anyway, I think it's because of the fact that we've, we've seen it, we've known it. DNF Duel has gone against every single way fighting game promotion is done. They showed very little to begin with, went dark, and then showed a lot with little notice, and then just completely shot out of the cannon with a beta announcement out of nowhere. So while the market pointed at being more so interested at DNF Duel, those are the reasons behind as to why we've really had nothing. I mean, the last two weeks, we've learned so much about DNF Duel at once. Whereas with KOF 15, it's been a long road, right? Like, 40-something trailers, and we knew about the game in development in 2019, and it, it, it was really dragged out. Like, they they really have taken this process to extreme length. Also, there was a delay in there. So I think that's why there was more interest, immediate interest, in DNF Duel, because it's new, it's shiny, and it kind of shot out of a cannon. So if you compare the two, a little unfair. But let's break down both games, because I thought it was interesting. Characters. KOF 15 has 39 planned, 37 revealed. However, the two other got leaked. So, skip 20 seconds if you don't want to know the leak for KOF 15. Maxima just got revealed, which, by the way, that dude looks like a straight-up ape. He looks like a monkey. 
I'm not even being like when I saw his face, I was like, that's that's a chimp. That's an ape. But anyway, he got revealed just a few days ago and Kula and Elizabeth have been leaked. So those are your 39. Are they going to throw a curveball in there? Put a 40. Who's 40? Rugal? Let's get Rugal in there. Vice? Probably not. DNF Duel, however, has unknown planned. Who knows how many they got they got going on. They could put 40 in there if they wanted to, put all the classes. But uh, we have 10 official revealed and two sort of revealed. They put out that trailer. It showed Ghost Blade. It showed Spitfire in that latest trailer. But it wasn't exactly... I guess Ghost Blade was more so official. But Spitfire just saw her uh, take damage and stuff. So who knows when we'll see them. Gameplay. KO15 is a team of three, but one-on-one. -on -one. They don't share a life bar. They... Uh, they each have their own life bar, although you do regenerate some health after every single uh, person or, or player death or whatever. DNF Duel is traditional 1v1. So you get to play whoever wins two out of three rounds, I believe. 1v1, pretty traditional. Netcode. Rollback netcode GGPO for KOF15. Proprietary rollback for DNF Duel, I would assume it's whatever Arxis is using for Strive. I don't know if there's a name for that. Somebody hit me up. Is there a name for the Strive Netcode? Is it just called Strive Netcode? But anyway, I heard it was pretty good. And I heard that the GGPO was greatly improved for King of Fighters 15 from the Grapevine. Target audience. Okay, King of Fighters 15 is clearly for the SNK Faithful. It's it's all KOF. Which I don't know what KOF isn't for the SNK Faithful. I don't think they've ever really hit the mainstream. They're not like Street Fighter. They're like here you go, SNK people. Enjoy. And they do. DNF Duel, who's the target audience? Of course, DFO Faithful. This is all for promotion of DFO, I find. Like, this is not selling itself as a fighting game. It is a fighting game, but it's not selling itself as one. It's all about the property, the IP, the license. Everything is DFO, DFO. They're doing a remarkable job at that, too. Communication. KOF 15 is shaky. But, you know, they've shown improvement. They've they've gone up and down. You know, they've they've had some peaks. They had some valleys. When they announced the official announcement for KOF 15, I thought that was a peak. And then when they dragged out the trailers every single week, not showing anything, that was a pretty consistent valley, personally, for me. And then the whole PlayStation Plus thing, that was, a, that was their worst valley. I'll give them like a... Like a C plus for KO15. DNF Duel, I can't even give them that grade. Unpredictable, interesting, but unpredictable. It's it's so hard to like figure out what they're doing. They go away for a year after a 30-second trailer. They come back with another 30-second 30 trailer. And then they give us a bunch of 30-second trailers in a row. And then they put out a beta. And then they're like, all right, peace. Release date, summer of 2022. So who knows what they're thinking? Now, KO15 release date February of or February 17th, 2022. So much closer to happening than DNF Duel. I wonder if that has something to do with the beta. We'll see. I haven't played the betas. And I can't really give my thoughts on both of them because I haven't had them in my hands. So it's 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 difficult. I was on the road, I didn't have a chance to play them. The first beta I could have played for KO15, but the PlayStation Plus issue uh, didn't, didn't allow me. 
But uh, I can talk a little bit about it from a spectator's point of view, outside looking in. Visually, DNF Duel, I would say, is more my cup of tea. I like the character design better. Animations, in my opinion, look better. The effects on screen are better. The UI isn't great. I'm not in love with the UI, but I do prefer it because it's a little more consistent than all of the crazy colors and whatever's going on with KO15s. I just prefer it over it. It's not like neither UI is like the worst, but they're not the best, if, if that makes sense. Gameplay is key in fighting games. So I can't, again, I, I can't comment. Who knows? Like, despite the fact that I like the visual aspects of DNF Duel much better, once I get my hands on it, it could feel like Grand Blue Versus, and all of a sudden, like, I don't like it. Like, Grand Blue Versus is a very pretty game, but that's not enough to sell a game for me. So I might like AOF 15, despite it visually not liking or not not really suiting my taste. But hey, at the end of the day, it's all about gameplay and functions. And if those hit right, then that could be the winner. So we'll see. We'll see what time. I can't wait to... Hopefully there's another beta for... There, I don't think there's going to be another beta for KO15. I'm probably going to have to get that uh, once there's a sale because I'm not buying it on release. But DNF Duel, I think there might be another beta after they, they polish some things, they touch up some things. I think uh, hopefully I can get my hands on on that if I'm not traveling again. And they announce it a little earlier so I can make plans, hopefully. But my, I just think this is great. You get two fighting games coming out roughly around the same release window, four or so months apart, and have them catered to completely different audiences. One is catering to their audience of the DFO community. The other one is catering to the SNK faithful. I think it's great. I think it's a win-win. And it's, you know, it's, it's pretty good. I, I've kind of made peace with the fact that fighting games have almost become even more niche in the fact that they're just marketing to specific pockets in the world of gaming. And sometimes it hits for the fighting game fans and sometimes it doesn't. But as long as you have a balance of, okay, this is for me, this is not, I'm okay with that. Here's a couple things to note. The... KOF 15 did keep up on their word, letting non-PlayStation Plus subscribers play the second beta. So good on them for doing that. And uh, DNF Duel had uh, was not able to be playable in Germany. And I believe the final verdict on that had to do with the game not being properly rated as far as their age rating because of the fact that it had religious symbolism with Crusader. And I also believe that Inquisitor also has like a cross and, and there's a lot of religious symbolism in that game so i think in germany it, it didn't go because of that specific thing so hopefully they rate it better and it's playable in germany for the next beta or on release depending on what happens we got a question here from nice guy nick on discord and he asked in reflecting on dnf dual beta how effective do you feel that the that 2d fighters with good rollback and simpler input structures can be building can be in building a new generation of fighting game players who compete offline. I can't speak and I can't read. But that's a great question, Nick. Nice guy. Uh, yeah, it's huge. It's huge. I mean, look, I think it's actually really tough to predict with Grand Blue Versus because I don't think there's a lot of resonance with the IP in the West. So I don't know how that would have done regardless of a pandemic. DNF, I think, is a little different in the fact that if you look at those characters, they're much closer to fighting game archetypes than Grand Blue Versus, in my opinion. So when you have a game like this, 
this could be the first game for somebody who was not interested in fighting games, but was interested in DFO or was interested in MMOs or just like a general gamer. This could be a really good entry point to kind of get your feet wet with fighting games. If this is as good as you want it to be, like those are your inputs that you prefer. You don't want to like, you don't want to expand more than that. Start doing Z motion, start doing, you know, half circle backs or whatever. I think that's absolutely fine. Will they compete offline? I think you'll see some of them for sure, because I think eventually if people like the game enough, they'll stick with it. Rollback is huge. I mean, you can play with so many people. I mean, your pool is much wider now with rollback. It's not always stellar. Obviously there are limitations to rollback, but man, I think, I think this is great. I think this is also going to start a, a new crop, not only like in the US or in Europe, but hopefully in Japan as well, because I believe June has said it on Twitter about how he noticed that the Japanese fighting game audience is not really evolving. It's just the same people because the younger folk are picking other genres, be it mobile games or shooters or whatever, RPGs. So you need something to entice the newer crowd. And we'll find out if this experiment of simpler inputs and some of these more refined mechanics that are not so dedicated to the things like execution and all of the meta things we think about fighting games. We'll see if that if that is able to garner more interest from a general audience. I think so far you've seen it work with Guilty Gear Strive. And that game still has a lot of things that are really nice for fighting game hardcore consumers. But it is a step in that direction for sure. So yeah, no, I think I think it's a good move. As long like I said earlier, in my opinion, as long as you have both. You get the hardcore fighting game mechanics and you get, you know, your more casual fighting game mechanics, the simpler ones. I think we can have a happy medium there. And here, like, here's the thing. For example, if I'm kind of tired of using my brain and, you know, trying to really force myself to, to play a difficult fighting game, or if my hands hurt, like I can only play plus R for so long because playing Eno and plus R is very difficult. So every now and again, playing a simpler game, even like TFH, it's nice because, you know, I don't have to think about so much about the execution part. I can just play the game. And that's that's what I think a lot of newer folk that coming into fighting games, they just want to play. They don't want to, like, you know, learn for four hours to, to try to play the game. They just want to hop on, press some buttons, have some fun, do the cool shit. They just want to do the cool shit. So, yeah, we'll see. I think uh, in, like, two years, come back to me with that question. I'll probably have an answer for you. All right, this is a big one. Our next news item has to do with Evo's future, and I think it's trending up. I think this is a really good thing that's happening for Evo. I was a little skeptic at the beginning. In the beginning, with the partnership of Sony and Evo, and then you have the whole whatever the Pokemon company is called, but this is a good move. This is a good move. So on December 21st, 2021, Evo announced that Rick Thiher, hopefully I said his last name right, better known as the Hado and the FGC, will become the event's new general manager. In the blog post on Evo's official website, it specifies that Rick will be responsible for overseeing the overall strategic vision and direction for the event, as well as the day-to-day operations. 
The blog post continues, quote, We have full trust and faith in Rick to propel Evo even further as the premier fighting game tournament while remaining true to its roots. That quote was said by Stephen Roberts, Vice President of Global Competitive Gaming for Sony Interactive Entertainment. Together with RTS, oh, that's who the Pokemon company is. Together with RTS and our valued publishing partners, we are excited to add Rick to the team that is working to bring Evo 2022 to the FGC. Rick then went on Twitter to further explain his goals with his newly appointed position. This was really, really well put on Twitter. The one time Twitter is actually good for something is when Rick tweets and he says, addressing this new, this, this week's repeating question, I am the new general manager of Evo. I am still the event director of for Combo Breaker. The former is not my job. The latter, my ongoing passion project since 2014. I consider both responsibilities to respect and maintain. To me, these brands are different in purpose and delivery. My goal is not to bridge them and lose that. Their distinctness is a part of their value, like subgenres and fighting games. I want to discover how to refine them to help them deliver better experiences for us all. I expect this to take years for small tweaks and large experiments, hopefully with more succeeding than failing. I'm excited about that journey and looking forward to where it leads. I have great confidence in it being a destination worth being committed to. Very well put. You know, I like Rick. I think he is the perfect person for the job after the whole fiasco that happened with Mr. Wizard. You could have also maybe plugged in Jabaley in that role. But I actually think Rick is a better is a better fit because Jabaley, I think, does such a good job with CEO. And in my opinion, Jabaley is a little... He's not as like serious as Rick. Like he's uh he's more like a part of the community and he's like a figure in a community. Whereas Rick, he is more behind the scenes guy. You you do see him on the show floor for sure, but I think he is he's closer to that role of being general manager as Jabaley is probably event coordinator. A really good one, but he's an event coordinator and I think Rick is a is a good it's a solid move. I mean He's grassroots. He's articulate, as I just read his his Twitter uh, message for his uh, his future with both Evo and Combo Breaker. He's experienced. He's been doing this for a long time. And he under- the best part is he understands the needs of the community. And best of all, he's proven, right? Combo Breaker has only gotten better every single year since it started. And that's a fact. You can look at every single year with, first of all, the presentation, uh, the venue has stayed the same for the most part, and the attendance, the the way they've expanded different games, um, how they've handled the stream. I mean, they, it's only gotten better. I mean, they've kept polishing every single year. I mean, I went for four straight years before the pandemic, and I can attest the fact that it's only gotten better. Now, a lot of people were wondering about, hey, what the future? What is the future of Comic Breaker since he's taken this position? Myself included, and it's good to get a clarification the fact that he is he's understanding the fact that Evo is Evo, Combo Breaker is Combo Breaker. One is meant to be a large mainstream showcase for fighting game, not as grassroots, still a little grassroots, but as we've seen in the past five or six years that, you know, Evo has gone more so mainstream, which I think is good. That's what that event should be. It's a convention almost with a tournament with it. Combo Breaker is a tournament first. And then it has the other thing. So I like the fact that he made that distinction. I think I think it's really smart. And 
Another one last thing I wanted to say about this is I applaud Sony for making this movie because it would have been extremely easy for them to put one of their own suits in that position and esportify and even more so mainstream that event. And they could have done whatever they wanted. But it's nice that they put somebody on our side in that position because I believe, I mean, I would assume that he would have a little bit more pull as far as the decision making, like he said, day to day operation to maintain some grassroots in that event. Now, is it going to be Comic Breaker? Is it going to be Frosty Faustings? No, it's still going to be Evo, but it is good to, fa- to see an FGC at the head or an FGC person at the head of it, as opposed to a corporate suit at the head of it, whether it would have been RTS or it would have been Sony. It is nice to see somebody who is grassroots taking or wearing that hat. I think it's important for that event moving forward. So good move. Uh, good job by Sony. I don't give him too many compliments, but that one I applaud. So could be a, could be a PR move for all I know, but hey, it worked out. They put the right person in the right position. All right, man. I kind of want to talk about this one, but I also don't want to talk about this one because it kind of breaks my heart. But I knew it was coming. I, I cannot be surprised with this. This is the Persona 4 Arena Ultimax conundrum. So speaking to Famitsu on December 17th, 2021, Persona Team's creative director and producer, Kazuhisa Wada, said that Atlas is at least considering implementation of rollback netcode, albeit later in a future patch, thereby confirming delay-based netcode at launch. Oh man, that hurts. WADA also revealed that Persona 4 Golden, selling over 1 million copies on Steam, prompted the team to scale up development from the original plan. He also considers this, meaning Persona 4 Rain Ultimax, the definitive version of the title. Just a reminder, Persona 4 Rain Ultimax Remaster will be released on PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, Nintendo Switch, and Steam March 17th, 2022. Here's why this is such a tricky situation. Think about this. As fighting game consumers, what are we taught to do when there is no rollback planned or announced for a fighting game? One is we ask for it, right? We ask for a rollback. We go on Twitter, we put a hashtag, X game rollback, rollback for X game. And then what, what do we do? We speak with our wallets where it hurts the most. It hurts the publisher the most when we speak with our wallets as opposed with our mouths. We can say whatever we want. At the end of the day, if we buy the game, they win. Which normally, you know, means that they lose money when we speak with our wallet. That's what we're taught to do as fighting consumers whenever we are proposed, hey, this game's coming out and it has delay. That's what you should do, right? That's the right move. And it's normally the right move in these situations. However, Atlas is so cunning. And, you know, Atlas likes to do things that hurt us. That's their MO. That is the Atlas way. We'll give you something, but we'll make it sting. That's exactly what's happening with Persona 4 Arena Ultimax. So here's the conundrum. If we don't buy the game, they win, right? Because they can just say, well, nobody bought the game. Why would we further invest in this product when nobody bought it? That means there's no interest. So why would I invest in rollback netcode? That's their scapegoat. If we do buy the game, we're not only going against our own word of trying to stand our ground, of not supporting any sort of delay product. We are also playing into their hands by letting them 
another scapegoat or, or giving them another scapegoat by saying, well, people supported the game, but not enough to result in putting rollback into this game. It's so tricky. It's a tough choice. It's an unfair choice. And listen, I completely understand people who are boycotting Persona 4 Arena Ultimax. If if that is your code in fighting games, I will not support delay-based netcode. Do you? That is more than fine. Personally, I bought the game. I pre-ordered the game. I know I knew it was going to have delay from the beginning. It's it's the only game I would do it for. It's how much I love that game. I just want to play the game. If it's online, if it's offline, I just want to play it again. So that that was my conundrum. I wouldn't have done it with any other game, but I, I wholly support people who will not buy the game because of the merit of not supporting delay-based products. That's absolutely fine. But here's what I was talking about at the top of the show when I mentioned FGC Twitter and misinformation and everything. I understand if... You're not buying the game because you're you want rollback. That's a great reason. But don't go on Twitter and start defending Atlas for going with delay in this product. There, there's no defending that. They knew what they were doing. And I I just don't like seeing that because one doesn't make sense with the other. Like Atlas is not looking for your best intentions. As not, in my opinion, not only as fighting game consumers, they don't even kind of care about us. I don't think they care about just regular, just their own consumers for their general games. So I see a lot of people on Twitter being like, well, this game is dead on arrival and blah, blah, blah. Maybe that's a little harsh because while it sucks that it has delay-based netcode, is it dead on arrival? I don't know. But it's nice for people to have the game. But I also see the defenders of this game being like, well, it's it's only because of this and because of that. It's like, no, because Atlas doesn't want to spend the money. So I, I just don't understand the people who will fight so hard for this choice that Atlas made when realistically you should expect more. I mean, listen, you can still buy the game and enjoy it, but you should expect more. Like, I understand that what I'm doing is not exactly going against uh, or is, is not helping the cause for rollback. But that's a consumer choice that I made. So if I never get rollback in this game, I understand why. And I'm kind of willing to live with that. But don't I don't think you should defend their decision. And there's too many shills out there. And listen, as much as I love Persona 4 Arena Ultimax, this is unacceptable. It's unacceptable. And I do think people should probably boycott this game because of, of that fact. I would have done it with any other game. Just not this one. <laughs> so, But that's my personal consumer choice. And I think everybody should make their own choice. But one last thing, you know, I'm trying to not say mean things on the internet, but this is even before Twitter got super big in the FGC. When I was still playing Persona back when it was active and it was it was doing well, the Ultimax community, in my opinion, is one of the worst. It's one of the worst in fighting games. And now that they're coming back almost, I'm reminded of that. It's it's not a community that I ever really liked. I I never thought that they were too nice I or welcoming. I thought that they were very weird and strange. And all my interactions with them, whether it be it on PlayStation 3, on Xbox 360, or even online on like Reddit or whatever, before Twitter became so huge, I never really enjoyed my interactions with any of them. So as much as I love Persona 4 Arena Ultimax, the game, that's how much I try to stay away from the community. 
and I see a lot of people pop up again because this game is going to be relevant, at least for a short period online. And by online, I mean in the, in the I don't know, the online water coolers of, of the internet for fighting games. I just, I don't know. There's something that really rubs me wrong with that community. I just, I, I don't know. It, uh, it does bother me, but as long as I get to play the game, I don't have to, to really listen to them. But I, it is, it's a bummer to see new players who are interested in this game get completely blown by the, the bad that that game has to offer from a community standpoint. Like I see a lot of new players asking questions on Twitter and stuff, and you just get the same, the same stuff online. It's, uh, it's unfortunate. So hopefully everybody can make their own decision. Uh, it's a tough choice if you love that game. You know, I made one and I'm kind of willing to stick by it and I understand the consequences of it. But for everybody else, while I don't think you should go on Twitter like Leffen and be an idiot, be like, oh, dead game, dead on arrival, it's dead. Let, let's, let me look up Steam charts. You probably should make a an educated decision and be like, you know what? I will boycott until rollback. Once once rollback, I will buy. That's absolutely acceptable. That is all for the news. I rambled a bunch. I apologize. But we finally got to fighting games topic of the week. This is a fun one, but I need a drink of water. So let this intro play, and then we'll do fighting game topic of the week. Round two, topic of the week. You know what I realize is not having a co-host makes you talk way more, which is difficult to just kind of lead a show for an hour or so without stopping. So, yeah, that's something I kind of have to get used to. There are no breaks because I have nobody to talk to until I get to FGC Hollywood Plus. Anyway, Friday Game Talk of the Week. I stole this one. I'm calling it the perfect roster. So as many of you know that listen to this podcast, fighting game characters is like my favorite part of fighting games. It's the one that almost brings me back to it every time. Like I love the character part, like because I really identify with them. I find them cool. I like their personality. I like their gameplay. It's like the biggest factor for me. And last week, Zio brought up during the Hollywood Mail section of the show about how another fighting game podcast, Double Tap, shout outs to them, they were doing this thing with their own podcast audience of having people send them their characters and they were telling you what they think about your roster on the podcast or what, what does your what does your lineup say about you? So I'm stealing that idea. So for this exercise, I'm going to pick five characters, five of them being male, five female and i'll tell you why i picked them individually and then later i'll tell them i'll try to figure out like what does that say about me collectively now for next week i'd like to do a part two for this topic and have the listeners of this podcast send me their own selections and do the same thing if you want to do five male if you want to do five female that's fine i just gave you both examples of kind of giving you uh, an idea of what i'm going for here and uh, if we have enough submissions and enough time, because next week is the Fighting Game Award show. We'll, we'll read them then, or maybe I'll split them up. You know, every every podcast, every week, I'll do one or two. And uh, that, that, that'll be fun. So we can do like a get-to-know-your-Hollywood listener via Fighting Game characters. Now, before we get to that, last week, as I mentioned, Zio offered a bounty on his own characters and why he picks them. The list 
if you recall, was Jam from Guilty Gear, Bullet from Blaze Blue, Angel from King of Fighters, Yuzuriha from Uni, Undernight in Birth, and Armor King from Tekken. No one guessed it right. And of course, I don't blame them. Because the answer is that he likes cats. I feel duped. You should feel duped. Double Tap should feel duped. The whole Discord that tried to uh, figure out what his what his thing was should feel duped. Yeah. Yuzu and Jam are not cat-like. I Shame on you, Zio. That is, uh, that's whack. That's really whack. So you should have left those two characters out there. Maybe put two others that were more cat-like. He was saying Yuzu and Jam are cat-like in their personality. Get out of here with that. Get out of here. But anyway, let's do mine. I'm going to start with the mail. And for many of you in our Discord, for many of you that have been listening to this podcast for a year now, you should be able to predict this list pretty well because I talk about these characters all the time. So here are my mail picks. First one, Akatsuki from Akatsuki Blitzcamp slash Undernight and Birth. I love this character so much. I love this character so much because he reminds me of an attitude that I love in like protagonists or, you know, certain characters and anime or manga or whatever books. You know, like the future trunks personality trait of he just gets shit done. Like he's trying to, he's not there to play games like Vegeta likes to play games right he likes to let his opponent win a little and then he powers up and then he lets them survive Trunks will just slash you in a million little pieces and shoot a giant beam out of his hand and finish with it Akatsuki is the same way he is very direct he's like let's get this done and he's such a badass when he does it I love Akatsuki he's the best number two Yu Narukami from Persona 4 Arena. Narukami, the god, I love this character so much. A couple of reasons why I love Yu Narukami. Calm, collected, unrattled, and just similar to Akatsuki, he's very confident, right? He's just a confident character. He pushes forward. He's never like, he's never too high or too low. It's some, There's something cool about just being even keeled about like everything. And... Again, direct. It's it's. I like those characters. I just. I wish I had more of that in myself. When I'm looking at these characters, I wish I had like more calmness, more even keelness, more confidence. Everybody wants more confidence, so that's why I picked Narukami. I love that character. Here's another number three, Koma Kishima. I love Koma. He's such a. This dude's a savage. He's such a savage. Again, similar to Akatsuki and Narukami. Very calm. He gets a little crazy at times, but. He gets the job done. He just gets it done. He just takes your face, puts it on the ground. I mean, it's great. I He's such a cool, cool character. I mean, he's just... He's got a little playfulness to him, too, right? He talks a little shit, but he's also very serious. Very confident as well. See, it's confidence. Confidence is key. Number four, Brian Fury from Tekken. This, is, this pick's a little wild. I like Brian for almost the same reason why you'll see I like many of the female characters that I, I enjoy. Brian is 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 a wild dude. And he's a cyborg, right? So he's not completely human. And he also has no affiliation to good or evil. He just wrecks havoc, right? He just creates chaos on the whole world. He doesn't care who. The other thing I really like about him, that's not so much about his personality traits but it does speak a little bit to it, is that every single hit of Brian's is with violent intentions. Like, you can listen to the sounds that he makes on his opponents 
whenever he connects. Mock punch, mock breaker, any any single one of his moves. Soccer kick. It just you can hear the crunch. You can hear like the the real impact of his violent intentions and his hit. There's something ruthless about it, and he treats everybody the same. I just love Brian. Uh, he's he's a very savage character, like Koma, but even more so. There's something about him that I'm just like, yeah, I like that. I mean, as much as I love Paul Phoenix, Brian is a savage. Last one is Adon from Street Fighter. Adon is a little similar to Brian, right? He I don't think he's as crazy, but he's neither good. He's not evil. Not good nor evil. Um, and it's not so much about his personality that I like, although I do like his confidence. Again, it comes back to confidence that he's very out there. He doesn't, he's not, not care to, he's not one to take a step back. But the other thing that I really like about him is his Muay Thai is very pure and, and the way it's executed. If you look at all of his regular moves, like his hard kick, his elbows, his knees, they're very well done, I, I find, in the world of Muay Thai. And then he's got crazier moves that are more video game-like, Jaguar Tooth, Rising Jaguar. So I really like that about Adon. It's pure Muay Thai. I think I find it more pure than Sagat's. And yeah, he's he's sick. And although he his personality does get a little annoying, you got to give it to him. That's a confident man right there. So uh, yeah, I would say collectively, my male side of my picks... I would I would guess that I would just like confident direct male characters. Now, they're determined. Again, they have like a very confident nature about them. And regardless if they're calm or crazy, that's what I notice. Like as long as you're confident at what you're doing, you can be calm like Akatsuki and Orokami, or you could be crazy like Adon and Brian. So I just like the fact that they have a direction, they stick with it, and they're unapologetic about it. So those are my male picks for why I pick certain fighting game characters. Now, let's talk about the female side. I think it's been pretty well documented on this podcast of why I pick certain female characters, but I'm sure within the first few picks, you'll pick up on that. So the first pick is Vice from the King of Fighters. Vice, again, she's a crazy lady, violent, loudmouth, talks mad shit, She'll drag you again like Kyle Koma. She'll drag you by your face, stomp you on the ground. I like her a lot um, because she's she's dark and she's evil. But there's also a point in her that's very playful. And that's a constant theme with my female characters is that you can be evil, but as long as you have a little bit of playfulness and it's not so dark and so evil that I can, I can get with that. Like, I, I can... I can not resonate, but I don't know. I'm attracted to that. Almost like real life. Second character. Everybody knows it. She's right behind me right there. Although the lighting on this camera is not very good. Eno. Guilty Gear. Eno is not so crazy. She's a little crazy, but she is violent. And she does talk a lot of shit. And she's a loud mouth. And she swears like a sailor. Although she's much more feminine, I find, than Vice. She's She's got more sex appeal. And she's she has way more gestures. We can put it at that. But although she's sinister in nature, again, that playfulness, it's it's where like I'm not like taken back by like the evil nature where it's like, okay, I can get behind this. It's a it's sinister, but it's playful. 
it, it's almost grounded in a way where it's, it's like it's not too evil. So I can get behind that. I like it. Third pick. Not evil at all. Labrys from Persona 4 Arena. I love Labrys. She's a, she's a really great character in my opinion. One of my favorites. I probably I like her over the last two that I just read. Labrys is the only female character in, that I play in Persona 4 Arena. And like I said, she isn't crazy like the others. But she does have a very dominant personality. She's she's like the head of the class, right? That's why they she, they, she thinks she's the student council president or whatever. Because she almost orders people around. And her convictions are true. And they're good. Her intentions are good. And she stays true to what she thinks is right. So I can I can admire that. And I think it's, again, it's, a, it's the confidence that attracts me to that character. Outside of the fact that she has a really sad backstory and she kind of overcame it. So I like that too. But if you just look at who Labrys is without knowing much about her past, it's why I like her. She's very direct and she doesn't take no shit. And I like that. I just like, I like the confidence. My fourth pick for the female side is Lily from Tekken. Lily's different in the fact that I don't, she's not like the others. Lily is like a rich, arrogant, she's not evil, but she's not exactly good per se. Again, very much a dominant personality, but for different reasons, almost petty reasons. So that's why the reason she's, she's so direct because she's, she just holds grudges, which is a very childish reason. But I think I like her elegance mostly. And the fact she's a very tall fighter. So that more has to do with her attributes as a fighter. If you look at the most most females in fighting games, not all, but many of them are really short, have stubbier normals. And I mean, I'm like, you know, not like Chun Lee or something, but like, a lot of them are because of their stature they're normally shorter lily if you look at her height she's actually taller than most male characters in tekken and i just like the fact that she stands upright and uh, her fighting style is really cool and the elegance but she does have confidence about her so that's why i like lily the last one is similar to the others the capri street fighter the capri is weird in the fact that she's both calm and crazy right she goes berserk when she's irate but for the most part she's almost robotic and very calm and execute and she's she's like the best of both worlds she's like she's kind of like Koma, calm but crazy so i i wouldn't say she has a dominant personality but despite being like a bison doll which you know he basically controls her she doesn't have the aura of like a pushover she's a troublemaker a bit and she's unpredictable with her actions so I, I like it. She's the best of both worlds. She's both calm, collected, but also crazy. She goes nuts. The Capri's sick. So collectively, what do I got here? Pretty easy, right? I like crazy, unstable women, just like in real life. No, I'm kidding. But um, yeah, I, I do like crazy female characters. I think it's because I'm not really big into like the girly girl type of fighting game characters or any character, really. Like, it's not really my thing. So I... I'm almost like stuck in the middle. I don't like the tomboy and I don't like the girly girl and I certainly don't like the lolly. So who am I left with? The crazy girl. So that's who I go with. I can't really do goody goody. It's just not, not in my nature. So I tend to go for the crazy gal. So those are my characters. That, those are why I picked them. So if you want to be a part of this exercise, 
you can send them in either through Discord, which you can join our Discord at the bottom of every single YouTube version of this podcast. There's a link to our Discord. You can put them in the YouTube comments. You can at me on Twitter, at Max Splicer. You can find me however you want, whatever. But let me know your characters. They could be either male or female. I'll probably only read one. So pick wisely, and I'll try to tell you what I think about your fighting game characters and what they say about you. Should be fun. We can make it maybe a weekly segment if we get enough submissions. Keep it ongoing. But anyway, that was topic of the week. Not a great topic, right? Almost a lazy topic because I stole it. But it's okay. Next week, we'll do fighting game awards. The week after that, I'll have more time to prepare. And listen, I'm still getting used to doing a monologue podcast. It's been a while. It's been years. So I'm getting used to it. But anyway, our next section is reading some questions that you submitted. So let's get to it. Round three, Hollywood Mail. Hollywood Mail. We got how many questions here? We got three. Three questions, all coming from Discord, our lovely FGC Hollywood Discord. The first one comes from The Monarch, and he asks, Can Granblue versus Price Drop save the game, or is it better netcode gameplay the only answer? Last week, I read the fact that the Granblue versus had a price drop. It got down to $50 with everything outside of Avatar, Belial, and Vera. And that was like the best discount they've ever done for that game. So that's why he's asking... Can, can a price drop save that game? No. I don't think so. I don't know what can save that game anymore. I think that game is bound to be niche to a core dedicated audience that will play it. And at this point, I think regardless of netcode, to be honest, the gameplay really attracts a certain type of player. And now that on the horizon you have something like DNF Duel that I believe more of the fighting game audience, the core fighting game audience, is going to resonate more with those characters as opposed to the Grand Blue versus characters. Maybe it's just me, but I just I just find that that's going to be the case. Even if Grand Blue versus had rollback netcode, I don't see it being beating something like DNF Duel. It's just not. I think that game is just going to stay in the pocket that it's in. Almost regardless of netcode, I think once it does get rollback netcode, if in the future it does implement it, I think you'll see a, a spike of people trying it, and then it'll just dip back down to where it's at, maybe a little more. But I just don't see a future for that game where it's booming, or even if they change the gameplay at this point, it's going to be very difficult. You don't see a lot of redemptions in fighting games. I mean, look at even Street Fighter it was very difficult for them to come back from even as soon as 2019. I mean, when it was just season four and we didn't know anything and we thought the game was dying, it took a lot. I mean, and that was even without rollback netcode. So, or with rollback netcode, not great one, but with rollback. So yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's weird. The only, the only weird part of that is the fact that it's seemingly Tekken is the only game that can get away with doing a lot of shit wrong and still only growing. So I think it's something about the gameplay, but I just don't see that potential for Grand Blue Versus. Not, not in the same capacity. All right. Deco7 on Discord 
do you think Strive will stand the test of time, even with the NFD and KOF 15 hype inbound, not just for the betas, but for release too? Yeah, I don't think those games are competing with each other, to be honest. Even even DNF Duel, I don't think it's competing with Strive. KO15 is certainly not competing with Strive. And Strive, will it stand the test of time? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think the netcode alone, the characters, the visuals, this is a game that's going to last a while. And as long as they continue supporting it and innovate on what makes it fun for the people to play it, yeah, I think this game will be along for the ride for a long time now. Once you get other games in the community like Street Fighter 6, Tekken 8, Project L, and whatever other IPs decide to come into fighting games, they'll probably have to make a sequel down the line. I mean, not anytime soon, but I would say, you know, maybe start thinking about a sequel three years from now, you know, four years from now. So, yeah, I think uh, I think for sure they'll, they'll be around with the, the big boys until... The, this ninth console generation progresses and we get we get more games and more I don't want to say mainstream games but more games that can touch a wider audience and bring them in as opposed to just kind of be a, a short stint we're like okay I'll play this and now I'll play Call of Duty or whatever so yeah but no Strive will be around for a while the last question for this week has to come, or rather comes from Arrow. Pretty interesting. He says, We as players, primarily with a more competitive background, have a tendency to look at characters through the lens of competitive, of competition first. But with DNF Duel, I see a lot of people in the FGC saying stuff like, All of these characters look really cool. I want to give them all a try. We know next to nothing about the game, yet the characters will strike a chord. Or yet the characters still strike a chord with people. In spite of that, I remember Combo Fiend's infamous functions line, and it got me thinking: for better or for worse, how much has the culture of competition in the FGC shaped the way fighting games are developed? Whoa, that's a really good question. I think this question actually came in before the betas, and. You know, I do think there is something to that. I don't know how much we look at fighting game characters now and say, he's really cool, but he's not viable. So I'm not going to play him. I'm going to play this guy who I don't like, but he is viable. I still think that stuff happens for the professionals, probably. But for just the regular people in fighting games, I think... I think playing who you like is becoming more of a more appropriate. And I think it it was always appropriate, right? But it, people would say, "Oh, my character sucks. Let me play something else." And I think people would uh be like, "Oh, you're picking a top tier." So that was like not taboo, but I don't know. It was people would look at you funny if you, "Oh, you just picked them because you want to win. You're not good enough to pick your own character." And I think we've kind of gone past that, and now people are just picking whoever they want. Now, how much is the cultural of culture of competition in the FGC shaped the way fighting games are developed? I don't think they're really thinking about it that way. I think people are developers are just trying to make a balanced roster if they can, as balanced as they can. Obviously, you're still going to have your 
characters that have a lot of options, characters that don't have as many options, different styles of gameplay always will will uh, run into that issue. And I don't know. I, I'm I've I've never been like a true functions guy. Like I need a character that I can really interact with. But I don't know what the consensus is around the FGC and how they feel about that. I would assume people are willing to make sacrifices. Like, I really like this character, but they're really low tier. So I will play play them casually, but when I want to compete, I'll play the other character that I also really like, but is higher tier. I would assume that is the consensus now, where you're willing to sacrifice to a point, but maybe not so much as to go to the very top tier because that is who's winning. Like, you're, I don't think, hopefully, we don't see another one of those uh, top eight Tanya instances where everybody playing Tanya and, and MKX or everybody's playing Leroy and Tekken 7. I hope that doesn't happen again because I hope developers actually can, you know, make their game a little bit more balanced than that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I think time will tell. You'll see it with, you'll see it with some of these other games that come out. Maybe even KOF and DNFD. We'll see who's top tier, who's who's good, who's bad, and we can take some uh, take some data from that and figure out. Okay, is the greater FGC really going after winning, or are they going after who they think is cool? We'll find out. All right, that's the end of the show. Pretty much, we got one more segment: the Dirk feature of the week. What a good boy Dirk was! I love that dog. And the Dirk collar goes to only the best. And speaking of the best. Congrats to Nee, Chanel, and Infested for joining Vision Strikers as they have been acquired by Rocks Gaming, the Dragons team for Rocks Gaming, which is the, their fighting division, as they venture into the world of professional gaming, meaning Vision Strikers are, uh, after boasting one of the best teams in Valorant in recent years. So good for them. I like Nee. His Brian has always been really fun. Chanel plays Eliza. I really always like watching his Eliza. Infested, I don't know much about. Must be a new player. But uh, congrats to them all. They deserve it. They've been sponsored players for a long time. They did really well with Rocks. So hopefully they do well with Vision Strikers. Should be interesting to see them all in the future of Tekken 7, whatever's left of it. Tekken 8, I'm sure. So good for them. What the hell? My screen just went dark for no reason. All right. At the end of the show, the the whole thing has to come apart. Anyway, what did we miss on today's show? I didn't talk about these, but I didn't really feel like dedicating too much time to it. Android 21 and her lab coat is coming to Dragon Ball Fighters sometime next year. That Apostle Noel is coming to Melty Blood type Lumina soon as well. Not a great pick in my opinion. I don't like... I mean, I, it's mostly personal. I don't like, like small lolly characters in fighting games. It's just not my thing, but... I just thought, maybe, like, why not put somebody else? Like, I don't know. But, hey, if you like her, that's good. You know, I guess I already have my character. I don't, why am I being mad that you got yours, potentially? So I'll just keep playing Koma. And uh, for people who like Noelle or Dead Apostle Noelle, she's coming soon to Melty Blood Type Lumina. I can't even play that game anymore because it has an update. And my internet is so bad, I can't update it. Oh, my God. But, hey. The podcast is available on Spotify now. So that's the thing. Spotify finally added ratings, so it's not just Apple. So if you like the show, you can let me know. If not, you can stay free because I don't care. No, I'm kidding. You can rate it zero, five, whatever you want. Next week, 
is the Hollywood end of the year fighting game award show, which is the last podcast of the year. So look forward to that. FCC Hollywood plus episode four should be out before episode 43 of this podcast. So things are moving. Things are happening. Fighting games are being played. I'm running out of breath. And Merry Christmas, y'all. I'll see y'all next week. Fighting Game Award Show. Should be fun. Until next time, you know what to do. Keep it classy. And I'll see y'all later. Peace.